Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And Mary Guilfoyle, how you doing today, sister? I'm good, Father John. And I have to tell you, recording this podcast is a little bit easier than last week because we had like a 50-degree drop in temperature. Yeah, I know everybody complains <laughs> so about their weather, but I don't know who's got worse weather than Michigan. Last week it was like 90. We were roasting. Yesterday it was 41 here. And Turn we're my furnace snowmen. on. Turn my furnace on at the house. So upstairs on the third floor here at our offices, it's much more comfortable today. It is indeed. So uh, we got to talk about transformation, huh? I mean, we, we, that's, the, that's the overall goal of the podcast, you know, right. talk about transformation of the right. church. This coming week is the Feast of Corpus Christi. And, you know, I'm immediately reminded of the quote that Jesus says to uh, St. Augustine in the Confessions that don't think that when you come to me, uh, you're going to change me into yourself. I'm going to change me into you. Man, if that doesn't have anything to do with transformation, I don't know what does. So this is a, a great week to be talking about uh, what? What's our topic? Absolutely. So this week we want to talk about um, an examination of conscience around the passage that St. Paul writes to the church in Corinth uh, in 1 Corinthians 11. I'd much rather talk about the Eucharist and how other people shouldn't be going. You, you mean you're actually going to tell me I should be thinking about myself? Padre, we're going to go right to the Word oh, of God, oh, and we're going to yeah, we're going to look at ourselves, right? Cool. I love it. With Great. God. Well, let's pray first. In the Amen. name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, for these uh, these great days that we're living in right now, the the feast of the Most Holy Trinity uh, just behind us, and the upcoming great celebration of the gift of the Body, Blood, Soul, and Divinity of uh, Your beloved Son, uh, that's offered to us every day, if we want. Lord, we just ask uh, in a special way right now that your spirit would uh, help us to hear the things that you want to say to us about our own lives, mindful that there's so many directions we could go with uh, regards to the Eucharist and the church and the world in which we're living. It's just We just hand this conversation to you. We ask that you'd anoint it, bless it, uh, that it would inspire, convict, uh, and motivate us to draw ever closer to you through your Son, uh, through the great gift that is the Eucharist. We ask all this in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, I mean, there's a lot of directions we could go here, right? I mean, there's there's so many surveys that, you know, unfortunately all of us are probably aware of showing a just remarkably low percentage of Catholics who believe in, in the real presence of Jesus. And certainly uh, how to go about addressing that uh, is something that we want to talk to or talk about, but not, not today. today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a lot of talk too right now, Father John, about politicians, right, who are baptized Catholics and not living and leading in conformity with Jesus and their reception of the Eucharist. And in, in our country? <laughs> oh my gosh, our country. God help wow, us, right? I had oh, no idea. Jesus, I haven't been reading the news lately. Jesus, come. And so all of that's right and necessary. And our bishops, you know, we pray for courage for them that they would um, address the matter like directly and in charity and in all of that. And that is a worthwhile topic, but we're not going to talk about that today either. No, right? although, you know, I got to say, uh, we're going to mention this book a little bit later, but I've had it open for the last couple of days. Um, Joseph Ratzinger, then Benedict XVI, he wrote a book called God is Near Us, uh, subtitled The Eucharist, The Heart of Life. And in it, he's got this one chapter called uh, The Banquet of the Reconciled. And I just thought, Mm. Even just as a teaser to that issue, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like who should receive, 
He has a great quote. He says, um, the Eucharist is, let us repeat it, the sacrament of those who have let themselves be reconciled by God, who have thus become members of his family and put themselves into his hands. That's why there are conditions for participating in it. It presupposes that we have voluntarily entered into the mystery of Jesus Christ. That's why he says from the beginning, the Eucharist has always been preceded by a discernment. And maybe with mm. with that little uh, quote from Benedict, that leads us right into this topic of uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and the uh, the passage that, that uh, is one of the lengthiest passages in the New Testament having to do with uh, with the Eucharist. And, and maybe just, uh, I want to ask you maybe, Mary, if you wouldn't mind reading that passage. And let's listen in to how a true pastor speaks to his flock about the celebration of the liturgy and about uh, understanding of the Eucharist. And then imagine what he might say mm-hmm. to us. So why don't you read yeah. that passage for us? This is 1 Corinthians 11, yeah. what, 18 to 29 or it's so? It's 18 through 29. So this is Paul to the church in Corinth, and he writes. He says, When you assemble as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I partly believe it, for there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you meet together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or you did, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when, he, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself." That's a little a lot frightening. Of wisdom. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, maybe there's there's a lot of things we could talk about in this passage. It's probably worth having a quick context. It, it seems pretty clear that uh, in the early church, at least in Corinth, what we would call the mass seems to have been attached to some sort of meal that was right, happening right. beforehand, right? And so Paul's talking about y- y'all are getting together, and and you're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. When you have this meal beforehand, you're not actually a community. And so he's pretty much saying, so I don't know what you guys think you're doing, but afterwards, whatever you're doing, it's not actually the Lord's Supper because there's no love right. and there's no unity and you're just breaking up into divisions. So that, that's maybe the, the quick context for that. But just for a moment, let's just put ourselves in a position to ask, 
if Paul was writing a letter to our mm. parish or to our diocese, what would he say to us? I think we'd hear a similar rebuke, Father yeah, John. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid we would too, right? Right. You, you know any parishes where there's some division maybe? Oh, unfortunately, our parishes are replete. I've never seen right, one, with but... Di- um, w- with division. And, and, the, and the division, I mean, all of that, when we're talking about division or a lack of charity that's in our parishes and our diocese, it's in the body. That division, that lack of charity is in us. It's in our hearts. Right. And, then, and yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, again, there's so many directions we could go here. So, you know, Maybe he'd speak about division. Maybe he'd speak about the very things that he's addressing mm-hmm. here, you know, like rich, poor, uh, you know, the elite hanging out in one section of the church, people looking down on others because they don't have particular gifts, what, whatever it might be. I mean, we're unfortunately, because we're so insecure and broken and whatnot, we, we, tend, to, um, we tend to divide rather easily, mm-hmm. don't we? Oh, they're receiving in the hand. Oh, they're receiving on the tongue. You know, like, oh, they're on their knees. I mean, we just love to look at one another, right, and make judgments about each other. Unfortunately, I can be guilty of that as anybody, right? Or maybe he'd be saying something like, uh, hey, are, are you guys really coming forward without any examination about what it is that's about to enter into your bodies? Much like he's saying to the church in Corinth, you know, um, approaching the Eucharist without discerning what it is that you're doing. Yeah, you and I were having a conversation earlier this afternoon about that very thing. You know, you often talk about how as priests, uh, y'all can get comfortable um, uh, with the magnificent. Yeah, used to the magnificent. Get used to the magnificent. And and I'm afraid I'm in that category of people who get used to the Eucharist as well, like like, um, having lost a sense of reverence and awe because we can receive Jesus every day, it can kind of become, unfortunately, um, so routine. Yeah, it can, a, it can certainly tragedy. be for me. Yeah, right? no, what a tragedy. Right. So so let's just frame this again real quick. So, I mean, the, the issue of Catholic politicians is going to continue to be one that is discussed and it's going to grab headlines and, you know, Catholic websites and blogs yep. and secular stories in the future. Right. But this is a great time for some self-reflection and some examination of conscience about the Eucharist and perhaps to make some resolutions to grow deeper in our friendship with Jesus this week, given the uh, the great solemnity that's coming up. So maybe we can do two things, Mary. Maybe we can offer some questions to reflect in prayer on, and then maybe a couple things to consider either starting to do or getting back to in our own lives that are related to the Eucharist, right? Right. So what can we reflect on? So I, I think I think you already touched on this too, Father John. Um, maybe just asking ourselves, do we take seriously the call to examine ourselves before we go to communion? Yeah, I mean, so I read 1 Corinthians 11 <laughs> and I immediately call to mind, like when I was younger especially, I, I, I just went to... People got up, it's time to go to communion. Everybody gets up, you stand in line, you go forward. You have zero, I had zero examination mm-hmm. of my life. I just figured, like, I'm not going to sit in the pews. Everybody else is standing up. I'm going to go forward too. And and would that it was the case that it was only when I was a kid. I mean, I, I'm immediately convicted mm-hmm. again of times when I was following the Lord and I still went to communion. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
if I take Paul's word seriously, eating and drinking condemnation upon myself because I I received Mm -hmm. unworthily, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a great thing to consider first. And you know, as we have this conversation, I'm thinking about sometimes maybe the, one of the reasons may may be why we don't um, um, examine ourselves before communion is maybe we're just not in the habit of daily um, examining ourselves, period, you know, um, well, that's a great point. Or, or, you know, periodically through the day or, or certainly doing that evening exam. And if we get into a habit of daily examining ourselves, perhaps we'd get in a habit yeah. of examining ourselves before we go to receive Jesus. Yes. I, you know, I used to watch my dad every night before he would go to bed, he was on his knees at the foot of his bed and without ever saying anything to me, he just modeled for me, mm-hmm. like, that's how you end the night. Mm-hmm. You you pray and you look back on the day. So that's a that's a great point. So what are you doing in that exam? And you're giving thanks to God for the blessings right. of the day, but you're also calling to mind like, ooh, Lord, I fell short in my speech or my actions, right. my thoughts, whatever, please forgive me. Yeah, and then that becomes the fodder for right. confession, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned, you know, do I approach the sacrament with reverence and with awe? Uh, or is this just becoming routine? So that's certainly a good thing for us to to think about. What's the comment from the? Uh, I know I never remember who says it, but you were talking about it earlier. That if if I believe that was Jesus, yeah. So I think it's uh, Peter Kreft wrote in Ecumenical Jihad. I can't remember the exact quote, but the gist of it is: if um, a non-Catholic to a to another Catholic, if I believed that that's really Jesus, I'd be on my face right. as soon as I walked right. into your church. Which we right. don't want to encourage. That's a kind of an awkward way to go to communion. It would make the, the line really long. Totally. But nonetheless, I mean, the, the, the attitude is overwhelming the attitude, right? awe, like, like yeah. oh my gosh, that's Jesus. Right, as right. opposed to um, coming forth for you know, a piece present. of candy or something. Right. I, I might encourage us too, you know, just in, in, in asking prayers, you know, like imagine what would, what would Paul write to me personally? Mm. What would he say to me? Like, am I am I being an agent in the community that I'm a part of of division, mm. um, or am I being an agent of unity? I mean, genuine unity, you know, not right. to, not the superficial unity that the right. world talks about all the time. So, th- th- I mean, there's probably a lot of other things that we could think about, but those are a couple things for us just to reflect on. In I'd prayer. be convicted in a heartbeat. Yeah. So there's some things, too, to, you know, there's a a boatload of resolutions that we could consider uh, offering, but um, maybe we can break these into into three different things. One is uh, something to... to to pray with. uh, Second is some things to consider reading. And then third is some things to consider doing. Okay, so uh, in terms of praying, I think we would just really encourage all of us, go to this passage in 1 Corinthians 11. And just let the Lord speak. You know what? When we open the Word of God, I just heard Cardinal Pell uh, interviewed by Al Cresta this past week. It was just a fantastic interview. So he's the uh, the Cardinal from Australia right. who was uh, imprisoned and then was exonerated by the courts in Australia for, uh, you know, it was a bogus charge that was made against him. He's just a tremendous man. But uh, Al had asked him about uh, to, to weigh in on the situation of the church in Germany right now. Mm. And he did a beautiful job. But one of the things he said is that, you know, the church in Germany is at a tipping point right now. It's at a crucial moment where the bishops in particular have to decide, are they the, the servants of the word of God or are they the masters of it? Wow. And in, in other words, when I read the scriptures, when I read 1 Corinthians 11, do I pick it apart? Or do I let, let it, it pick, pick us apart? apart. Yeah. That's brilliant. Right? That's beautiful. So um, that, that'd be a first thing. Pray with the passage. Just let the Lord speak to us. 
mindful that he doesn't condemn, right? But he does convict and he convicts out of love. So that That's might be right. something. And then we got a whole set of things that we want to encourage people to read, right? Right. So Bishop Olmsted has an apostolic exhortation. When did that come out, Father John? Just, uh, I think actually Holy Thursday this past Lent. Yeah, so it's called uh, Down in Adoration Falling. And we're going to actually hyperlink this into um, into the podcast. We oh, would just great. encourage you guys, all of y'all, to to spend some time uh, reading these incredible words. Yeah, I just read it today, as a matter of fact. And uh, he, I heard him speak this uh, at a men's conference back in uh, March, I think it was, with uh, Deacon Steve. We were present. And it's just a beautiful reflection on... Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping the Lord's Day holy, right. really treating Sunday uniquely, mm-hmm. um, our understanding of how we should approach the Eucharist, uh, making sure that we're in grace, uh, and then uh, getting into the habit of uh, Eucharistic exposition. I remember he got done preaching, and um, Deacon Steve turns mm-hmm. and looks at me, and he just went, wow. Yeah. It's, it's just a loaded uh, letter, so really want to encourage that. Be something great, too, for families to unpack together. Oh, that's a great idea. It's not very long. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, John Paul II has a, a great letter on the Lord's Day. It's in, it goes by Latin title of Deis Domini. So the Lord's Day. That, that's, a, that's a short document that's rich as well. Sometimes uh, some of us, I think probably still read John Paul a lot. Maybe some of us uh, have never opened up uh, something that he wrote, but some of his writing is a little bit challenging. This one's not. This, no. is, a, this is a really good one. So highly recommend that. And then there's another book that we talk about all the time in Acts 29, and uh, it's called Insinu Jesu. Some of y'all might be familiar with it, When Heart Speaks to Heart. Uh, it's the journal of a priest at prayer. And there's some really rich reflections, and they're much to, much to pray with, Father John. Yeah, so it's written to priests, or it's addressed right. to priests in this particular way. It's, it's, it's these uh, encounters that this Benedictine monk has with the Lord that he's published you know, so I've read it, I've given it to a lot of priests, but I know you've read it. And mm. it, so the primary audience might be priests, but there isn't anybody uh, for whom this wouldn't be relevant. I know you've just absorbed just a lot from it. this, right? It's very rich. It. You can, you know, sometimes you, 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 you read things like this and it's, you know, quote unquote, it's the Lord speaking to somebody and you're like, yeah, I'm not quite sure I could hear the Lord say that. There isn't a page on this book that, that I can't picture mm. the Lord saying, right? It's just rich. And then lastly is the book that we mentioned earlier from uh, Benedict XVI or Cardinal Ratzinger, simply entitled, God is Near Us, uh, the Eucharist, the Heart of Life. And, you know, some people have never read Benedict, I'll bet. Um, Benedict's one of the most concise, precise powerful writers mm-hmm. I've ever come across in my life. So if you've never read any of his writings, uh, this might be a great book. It's not, um, you know, it's not uh, overly deep. Um, it's not light and fluffy either, but it would be a great uh, book to dive into, you know, like pop it onto Kindle this week or uh, head over to your Catholic bookstore and pick it up uh, so that you can kind of get ready for the feast that we're about to celebrate with Corpus Christi. Beautiful. So lots of reading, Father. So thanks for all of that. What are some of the things that we can start doing? Yeah, well, I think, you know, quite honestly, for some of us, it's just get back to Mass. Things are starting to open up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I totally understand. You know, there's some of us who are still in high risk. we got concerns. And if those are legit, then great. But, you know, like, let's be honest with ourselves. If I'm, if I'm going out to a sporting event or I'm going out to the, you know, to hang out shopping, I can probably make it to Mass, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, just really want to plead with people. 
uh, to get back, especially to Sunday Mass. And maybe for those of us who maybe just stumbled upon this or somebody sent it your way, maybe you haven't been to Mass in a long time, um, go back. You know, like get, I didn't go to Mass for 10 years at one point in my life, you know, except Christmas and Easter, very regularly, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> Submarine Catholics is what we used to call coming them. Coming up to they the surface, surface twice Christmas a year. And, Easter, right? <laughs> yeah. and then for others of us, you know, maybe we're in the habit of Sunday Mass, and maybe we've never acquired a habit of daily Mass. Mm. But daily Mass really changes things uh, for most people, right? I mean, not only are you receiving the Eucharist every day and listening to his word, but there's a completely different feel to a daily Mass versus a Sunday Mass, right? Because mm. there's a pace to it. You don't have to worry about rushing out and getting in the parking lot and whatnot. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. No coffee <laughs> donuts You're going to have a pew to yourself. That's right. No problem with social distancing. What else? And then um, um, maybe start trying to, um, if you haven't, start going to adoration just once a week. You know, sitting with the Lord, you know, letting Jesus look at you and you looking at him. And being transformed, you talked earlier as soon as we started. I mean, this is when you talk about transformation, this is where real transformation can happen. Yeah, I would say outside of receiving the Eucharist every day, um, the most transformative habit I have in my life is praying uh, every day in front of the Blessed Mm -hmm. Sacrament. You know, Fulton Sheen used to say that just like you sit outside in the presence of the sun, the S-U-N, and without noticing it perhaps... Uh, your skin begins to change color. So mm-hmm. sitting in the presence of the sun, the S-O-N, y- your spirit, your body, your life begins to change. It begins mm-hmm. to, quote unquote, change colors. Um, so th- there is no better habit uh, that I can encourage people to do than to, to, to pray, to strive to pray for an hour a day. And if you can do it in front of the Blessed Sacrament, um, then spectacular. So you mentioned that book, Insinu Yezu, in the heart of Jesus. And there's right. this great passage there where uh, the Lord says to this priest, so imagine the Lord saying this to all of us right now. He just says, you have not yet understood that by coming to adore me, you open yourself to miracles of grace and to a mighty deployment of my power in your infirmity. What I say to you, I would say to all, come to me, Abide with me, give me your time, and then I know you love this line, for time is the currency of friendship and the proof of your love for me. So, um, yeah, get to adoration. Uh, You know, thankfully, churches, many churches uh, have the the habit of having Eucharistic exposition. and for those who don't, we want to say a special word right now to our brothers, don't we? So yes, Father. So you know, in our in our ministry, we have an opportunity to pray with priests all the time. And we hear from the brothers that oftentimes one of the first things to go when their lives get really, really busy, and you often say, you know, your head is on a swivel and you're playing whack-a-mole all day, that which goes first is, is that daily holy hour. Mm. So maybe it's just an opportunity to hit a reset button and to return to that daily holy hour. Yeah, I love that. You know, that, that immediately reminds me of yet another passage in, in Sinu Yezu, which is so... I know when you're praying with priests... Um, you're such a, a minister of the Lord's gentleness, his directness to be sure, but his gentleness, his soothing voice, 
his constant encouragement to come back to him, right? No matter what. Right. So there's this passage where, again, this is the Lord speaking. So this is going to be a word for some of us. So he says, uh, Jesus to you, life is not linear. It is made up of twists and turns, of detours and setbacks, of obstacles and of trials. It is the one who perseveres in coming to me through all these things who comforts my wounded heart. There is a kind of guilt that keeps souls far from me. Such guilt is the effect of a wounded pride, of a deep disappointment in one's flawed self. Never succumb to the guilt that whispers, stay away. It's no use. There's nothing left here for you. This is not my voice. It is rather the voice of the accuser who borrows all the voices of your past, still alive in your memory, and makes use of them to assault you with a barrage of lies that are calculated to bring you down and cause you to despair. My voice, this is Jesus again, is always one of comfort and of love, producing peace in the soul, even when my words are cutting, even when they pierce the heart like the surgeon's scalpel. Trust then in my words to you and close the ears of your imagination and heart to all else. I am he who comforts you, not the one who would assault you, accuse you, condemn you, and cast you out. I am the one who welcomes you with joy. I am the father, delighted to see the face of his son and to hear his voice. I am the friend who takes delight in the conversation of the friend whom he has chosen and whom he has bound himself and to whom he has bound himself by a lasting pledge of friendship. Come to me then without fear, for you will always find with me a divine welcome, a loving embrace, consoling conversation, and the courage to continue in the way of life that I have traced out to you. I mean, so that, that's beautiful. for everybody, right? I mean, how many of us, like, in, in the midst of all our failures, we go, oh, God is probably just disgusted with me, right? And he's ashamed of me, and he doesn't want to see me. He's repelled by me. And that's, that's the voice of the accuser, right? Amen. That comes, from, that comes from the pits of hell and the father of lies. Yeah, and then maybe a last thing, you know, again, for our brothers. So we're talking about how, how crucial it is to, to get in front of the Blessed Sacrament and to, to find a way to, to make time to be with the Lord there, which, of course, means there's got to be an opportunity to do that. Right. And so a lot of, a lot of parishes and whatnot, I, I realized with COVID, we, we weren't able to do some things, but we're starting to open up again. And, you know, like people are gathering and people are coming to church and people are hungering for God. You know, so if... If we don't have uh, time set aside each week for exposition, I just want to beg guys to begin doing that. that. Like that is, in my opinion, that's the wrecking ball. I love that. That's yep. what knocks down all oh, the walls in a parish. Right. It begins to really move. So maybe, maybe we have, uh, maybe in our parish, we do exposition like maybe once a week. Great. Think about doing it every day. I mean, it, uh, at the parish where I was at most recently, I mean, I remember beginning there just saying, hey, I'm going to do a holy hour every morning. So I'm going to expose the Eucharist before Mass. If nothing else, for me, and if you all want to come with me, that'd be great. So that's an easy way to get Jesus on the altar every day and to invite people to come and pray, right? Beautiful. Tremendous opportunity for healing. 
maybe I can offer just maybe one last quote with regards to, to that from uh, Insinu Yezu. So listen to this. Listen to Jesus' words here. So it, it helps understand how exposition in a church is far more reaching than just between the Lord and that individual, as crucial as that is. So the Lord says, When I'm adored in a place, my hidden action upon souls is wonderfully increased. The place where I'm adored becomes a radiant center from which love, life, and light are diffused in a world in the grip of hatred, darkness, and death. Chapels of adoration are not mere refuges for the devout. They are the radiant, pulsating centers of an intense divine activity that goes beyond the walls of the place where I'm adored to penetrate homes and schools and hospitals, to reach even those dark and cold places wherein souls are enslaved to Satan, to penetrate hearts, heal the infirm, and call home those who have wandered far from me. For this reason, the work of perpetual adoration, or even of prolonged daily adoration, is intensely apostolic and supernaturally efficacious. So this isn't just like the me and Jesus two-step, right? Praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, even if it's just me before the Lord, can have repercussions so far-reaching, right? Amen. Amen. Beautiful, Father. Gosh, there's so much good stuff. Yeah, it's a little long, but boy, this, you know, like how, how can it not be a little long when we're talking about the Blessed Sacrament and the, all that God wants to give us? Huh? The source so, and summit of the Christian life, right? Yeah. And right? So let, let's pray for one another in this week that the Lord will instill within us a deepening uh, reverence for, devotion to, awe in the midst of uh, the Lord hidden under the appearance of of uh, bread and wine. Let's pray that belief in the real presence would grow, that uh, the Lord would inspire parents, catechists, priests, bishops to teach and to preach in such a way that people can grasp a sacramental vision of reality. Let's pray for uh, the bishops for courage and wisdom in addressing the matters that are in front of them, which are pressing. Uh, Let's pray for those who receive the Lord unworthily, Uh, that God will convict them, not condemn them, but convict them, move them to repent, uh, that those who need to do so publicly will do so. What an amazing thing that would be. Uh, And let's pray for a a real joyful, graced celebration for this uh, upcoming feast that we're about to celebrate. huh? Amen, Father John. Beautiful word, a healing remedy for a nation and a church that's desperate uh, for the Eucharist. Amen. May it be so. In the meantime, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. (laughs) 